The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Howdy dream, cowboys. Welcome back. It's the HBO Boys, formerly the Westworld Podcast. Today we're breaking down, we're going to recap and review Westworld Season 4, Episode 1, The Auguries. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the HBO Boys slash used to be the the Westworld Podcast doing... West Westworld again. Westworld is back. We're back in the saddle again, which makes a lot of sense narratively based on the fact that it's a show about Westy towns. Except for really, it's kind of not anymore. No. <laughs> okay. I remember when the trailer first came out, and my comment to you was like, "Remember when there was a Westworld in this show? Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. What I'll say is, it, it does seem." Like, we're going to be in a, I want to say fictional world, but I suppose fictional to us. It feels like we're going to be outside the real quote-unquote world, whether that be in a simulation or a place that we're being sold to as the real world, but not quite. And, um, you know, maybe future world, maybe... 1920, Roaring Twenties World. One, one of those. It will probably come up, but not in a way that we want it to, which is just like, wipe my memory and bring me back to season one, please. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something going on in one of the plot lines of this episode, which could be interesting. Either they're in a simulation or they're in the park that is just like the real world, world, world. And... The auguries, it means omen. So just like bad stuff, which they could have named it anything else. We got we know that it's it's a show about bad stuff happening to bad and or good robots, slash bad and or good people, some of which are now robots. Right. I know an, an augur is someone who it's like a fortune teller. In antiquity, it was someone an, an, an augury was a guy who was like, I've got a box of chickens, and when I let them out, they'll do something, and that'll tell us whether the the Greeks are going to win this army or not, win this war or not. <laughs> yeah, if there are four chickens, Dolores is really dead. So before we get started, guys, we have a Patreon. I think we, yeah, if you join, so you can true. join our Discord, and there's also bonus content on there. And I think we should set a goal where if we get enough patrons, we'll do something. <laughs> yeah, that's good. A real vague goal for a, a real vague show that changes its name five times. I agree with you. We will do something. It will be positive, and you'll like it. If you join at patreon.com slash H-B-O-B-O-I-Z for one or more dollar a month, you, you can only do you only need to do one dollar. Come on, hey, that's, $1. that's only the cost of making a collect call in 1997. I had a baby eats a boy. Remember that one? Yeah, it's a great commercial. So we open up. uh, There's some shady businessmen, and they're meeting up with Robo Williams. And he's come to buy up their company, which is, I guess, an enormous data bank that is powered by a hydroelectric dam. The actual Hoover Dam. And they shot at the real Hoover Dam. Mm. And season four begins how season three did. Which is, hey, here's a new guy that we don't know. He's he he's doing something, and also Williams here. Apparently, this this data bank is where Dolores took the stolen data that she took from the park in season two. Everybody remember that plot line, which did not come up, I think, last season. It's coming Was it back. Dolores now. or Hale? Somebody stole the data. They were taking data from your brain in the hats you wear. I think it was Hale because at some point, uh, William has asked, so what, I mean, just to decrypt it. And he's like, I can't. 
the person who put it here is dead, so I can't. I think he's referring to Charlotte Hale, but I'm not sure, Westbrook. Right. There was also data being, like, data was stolen from the park in, like, a physical, like, a hard drive, but then also, like, the star-watching host. This is going back to season one, guys. He was, like, broadcasting Ooh. data to a satellite, if anybody remembers that. I don't, so... Okay. <laughs> So these guys, they're actually uh, mafiosos. William calls them uh, the cartel, but this is them having somewhat gone straight. They run this shady data bank where, I don't know, rich perverts keep their collection of, I don't ancient Japanese erotica. They store it on this data bank so the feds won't find it. And William is doing the, the Bruce Wayne thing. He's like, I'll instead of paying to put stuff here i'm gonna buy the whole company and then i'll get the stolen data back that way yeah just sell it to me for an enormous amount of money and hugo the man we meet at the beginning who is the mouthpiece for the cartel is like oh um no and then william's like oh actually that's perfect because door number two was me doing something awful to you guys and then getting it for free. By the way, this William has all the fingers on his left hand, as we might recall the real-life William, who got his throat slit at the end of Season 3, did not have all of his fingers. So we are still led to believe that this is a robo-William. And this robo-William, and talking about theories, this could have a copy of evil Dolores's brain or maybe it is just like a copy of William that Hale Dolores made this could be a lot of different things at this point it basically doesn't matter there's a bunch of evil robots some of them may be copies of Dolores's brain but it would not really make a difference if they just had some other evil robots brain no not really because for example the Charlotte Halebot who at one point last season was a crispy chicken tender she is a Dolores clone, but she saw what Dolores's vibes were and was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to be a different virgin. So I'm going to be Dolores 2.0, who is something completely separate from what she wanted in the first place. So does it even matter that I'm a Dolores clone anymore? <laughs> Probably not. So when Hugo, the head shady businessman, gets back to his house after dissing William. There's flies everywhere. And in his living room, there's a swarm of flies and he he blacks out because there's too many flies. Yeah. He was overwhelmed by the fly, which I get very gross. And I see something that's super gross. I just fall to the ground. So then the next day he goes into the office again and they're like, hi, did you, did you tell that dumb robot we're not selling? Yeah, and he said, today well, I kill you all. And then he starts stabbing them all. I assume his body is full of flies at this point, and he's, he's stabbing his friends. Yes, he kills the rest of the cartel, and as you said, most likely being cast suggestion upon by a robotic fly or flies within him. And then he reports to Robo William. To be like, job's done, bud. And then William's like, great. Give it to me for free. Hugo's like, awesome. So am I chill? Am I done now? William's like, yeah. And Hugo's like, great. And slits his own throat. The roll credits. The credits are still cool. The credits slap, man. It's lit. And and no cap. And I gotta say, this scene was good. I mean, it's, it's... setting up like oh finally the lost data is gonna come back that plot thread we've never really known it's like some kind of psychological profile they were building based on the brains of the guests but we don't know still don't know why or what the purpose was or why it needed to be stolen so it's it's it'll be nice to get some resolution on that plot thread which i thought was dropped in season three yeah you're right this intro and then the intro sequence with Raman Jwadi's music behind it that always changes slightly was dummy thick. And I, I, I mean, it's a cold open, right, for the whole season. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was well done. And the fact that they got the actual Hoover Dam to shoot at, that is insane. And then we get to the actual intro music slash the you know that exactly how that goes mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of stuff in there there's 
robots coming out of a white liquid instead of falling in as they did in the past. We see some robot flies, which we've been accustomed we've been now accustomed to that go into human beings and make them stab their friends. So, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Don't ruin it. Well, so uh, we're going to break these into the major plot lines because, of course, this show likes to jump around between the characters. I mean, that's a pretty much HBO standard at this point. But next, we're going to talk about Maeve. And Maeve, she's out and she's living in the woods in the winter cabin from the end of Breaking Bad. And she, <laughs> yeah. she's, she's flashing back to memories of her daughters and her friends from the park. Uh, some of them died. Others went to robot heaven. She flashes back to the end of Fight Club when her and Caleb were like watching the the towers fall down. And then she's also flashing back to some adventure that she went on with Caleb where it looks like he died in a desert somewhere. That was mysterious. Yeah, uh, Caleb bleeding out. And we learn at some point that we are seven years in the future. At the end of season three, we are at the precipice of a war. And at the beginning of season four, it seems as though whatever that war was has come and gone. And we are now in the aftermath of whatever happened. And so perhaps Maeve and Caleb, uh, Maeve over Caleb as he bleeds out on the ground, is something from said war. But Caleb's storyline makes that confusing. Either way, Maeve is still Neo-ish. Still the one-ish as she thinks about all this stuff and then makes the power go out for an entire town, which is intense. Yeah, she she, you, she has technokinesis, if people forgot. She got that in season one. When she updated herself a bunch, she gave herself, like, she's got Magneto powers, but for machines, basically. And that's fine. If we recall, we were pretty hard on the Maeve storyline in season three, because if we're all being honest with ourselves, she really didn't do much. No, Maeve got shafted have, in season three. Pretty she hard. didn't have the amount of agency we believed she did for as powerful as she was. And she really didn't accomplish anything until the very end. But as it turns out, it was what Dolores wanted the entire time. And so she needs something to actually hold on to. The moment she was like, oh, my daughter, I I kind of looked down. I was like, the cold open was so good. Why are you? D- why? We, is we already talked still- about this it, last season. Like, your daughter is safe in heaven forever. Like, you, you don't, need to, don't need to worry about her safety. But that's her motivating things. I have to protect my daughter, who is in a metaphor for heaven and can't be harmed. Right. So... Ipso facto, that kind of just makes her storyline boring, and they need to fix that as soon as possible. I don't think this first episode does, but maybe we'll get there. Yeah, in the next Maeve scene, she goes to the general store, and the clerk's like, oh, your friends, your friends in the black SUV, all wearing black and carrying rifles, went up to go see you. I hope you have a nice time with them. And Maeve's like, hmm, interesting. That's weird. She heads back to her cabin in the woods. She scopes out Colonel Brigham from seasons one and two, but now he has a mustache and is different and is wearing a peacoat and has a gun. And there's a bunch of gunmen with them. And she, you know, shoots them kind of Rambo styles through the woods and gets some information out of Colonel Brigham before she axes him in the face. Yeah, this was such, like, season three shit. It's like, okay, we have this dangerous robo-terrorist with superpowers. Send six guys to her house with guns. This is like, Maeve yeah. has already killed so many waves of six guys with guns in this story. They're like, oh, send six more. And then before she kills Brigham, she's like, how many more are after me? Six? Seven? Eight this time? <laughs> it's just like not nine don't <laughs> tell me it's nine you know she so effortlessly kills them and it's it's just like you guys have learned nothing from serac or rehoboam like you can't just send six goons to get mave it has never worked like it, it's not that hbo doesn't have the budget right right like they're desperately trying to keep Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy's attention ever since they got that gigantic contract from Amazon. They, they should be giving them whatever they want. 
So it's a narrative choice to keep sending five inept stormtroopers after Maeve and failing over and over again. And it would be later found out that it's most likely William who is trying to kill her still now seven years later. And he's a robot. So shouldn't he have done some like calculations as to how many soldiers there needs to be how many have happened in the past if he's got like a copy of william's brain he should think like yeah i mean when they sent six guys after me it didn't work and mave is much stronger than me i'm not professor x and she is anyway go six boys so yeah she this colonel brigham's a robot she reads its memory bank and she sees it talking to william which is she's like oh shit and then she burns her house down which i mean to me that particular plot points why they already know that that's your house. What evidence are you possibly destroying there? I don't know. I don't. She burns the whole house down. Um, J- James, it's because she's cool. Now we get to everyone's favorite character, Caleb. He's he's back to working construction. We're circling back to the beginning of season three, everyone's favorite part of the series. Right. Nothing has changed. Seven years have passed. We, in the Maeve storyline, are handed some tension on a silver platter. Some stakes are laid by maybe understanding that Caleb might be dead. He looked like he has a fatal injury. And then they cut to Caleb on a tower doing his old job, basically, talking to a guy who was like, I don't even know if Rehoboam, and he didn't say Rehoboam because he doesn't, normal people don't know about that, but like, they know they're free now, and the guy right. is saying what <laughs> what I think like 50% of people, I suppose, would be saying anyway, be like, are we really free, though? And Caleb's like, yeah. And the guy's like, I don't know. Yeah, but now there's no robots. They they genocided all the robots in response to what happened with Rehoboam, which seems probably like not what Dolores would have wanted. <laughs> right? They killed all the robots after that. Yeah, that's sort of like the exact opposite, I feel like, of what you wanted. But now there's no robots and no supercomputers. And so there's no AI Illuminati that's controlling all of humanity. But as Ryan said, the Caleb's co-workers like, yeah, but my life still sucks. So like, what what's the difference? <laughs> So there's no AI yeah. predicting what I'm going to do, but I'm just still doing it anyway. Yeah, and it, it just sort of brings into question whether or not the Caleb story... Like, when that was happening, I was like, oh, is this really happening? Like, it is just so reset and to a nothing-changed place that it feels like there has to be some extra layer on top of this storyline that I just don't understand because it hasn't been made clear to us yet. But as it keeps going through the show, or this episode specifically, it gets closer and closer to, no, I think this is just what's happening, which yeah. is bad. <laughs> Caleb goes home. He has a daughter now. He's teaching her to shoot BBs at cans. At this point, I wrote in my notes, I'm so bored. <laughs> oh, uh, yep. My notes right here is, where is Bernie? Right. I'm bored. Caleb has a sexy, shrew wife who's constantly browbeating him about being a bad father and having PTSD and how he needs to just get over that war he was in where he watched the robots kill all those people. She says that she thinks Caleb, instead of dreading having PTSD over said war, in fact, misses the war. And he doesn't comb his hair. And But he's nice to his daughter. That's fun. That's good. Yeah. And later, in a, in a later scene, Caleb's reading a bedtime story to her, and they seem to have a good relationship. She wants to use a nightlight because she's scared of the dark. And Caleb promises her that everything is fine and he will always be there for her and he'll never go away on an adventure. But then there's a bump in the night and Caleb freaks out and he he grabs his gun and he's freaking out and his wife is like, you're the spaz. Stop being such a spaz and scaring me and our daughter. You're a paranoid You can't say that word anymore. Okay. Lizzo had to take it out of a song. True. That's ableist. Yeah. You're an ableist. Okay. Well, then I I will ask you to stop describing things as crazy because that is also ableist, right? 
fuck. Later on, Caleb's wife finds that her daughter is sleeping with the BB gun under her pillow. Like she's, you know, like Tony Soprano. While hugging Bear Bear, her bear. (laughs) Bear. Hashtag protect Bear Bear. Later, then her daughter wakes up and she's looking out the window with her bear. And she drops the bear out the window. They heard a sound. That's why. And when they go to retrieve it, there's an assassin. And he's going to shoot her and Caleb. But they're saved by Samurai Maeve, who's come back. The assassin is Walter, a robot from seasons one and two. Uh, You might recall him drinking milk and having it come out of bullet holes in his stomach, which was pretty cool. This time, he just gets stabbed in the back instantly while doing the bad guy thing of not shooting Caleb and or his daughter uh, as soon as he has the ability to. He was just hesitating. Boom, bang, boom, gets stabbed in the back, and now he's dead. When Caleb sees Maeve again, he delivers this line. Uh, Jesse Pinkman delivers this line as if he's on ketamine. He's like, is it really you? I thought I would never see you again, is exactly how he delivers that line. <laughs> Do you want to take another another go at that line? <laughs> yeah. Jesse? Maybe no? one, one more take? No? <laughs> Could you wake All up right. a little? Can we, get, can we get him some coffee? That was not the worst part of this scene. And by the way, I need to stop here for a moment. Because uh, I did say, I think in the Discord, like, James is going to be the ultimate naysayer of not only this episode, but of this season. Uh, I just feel it in my bones. I generally liked this first episode of television. I think it is the most beautifully shot show on television. I think that, like, musically and cinematically, it is S plus tier. Mm-hmm. There are just... The, uh, specifically the Caleb and Maeve storyline that drags so hard yeah. behind the others, specifically William and Dolores, that it's just glaring and needs to be fixed somehow. Right. And I'm, I hope they do it. So yeah, the next thing that happens is like Maeve says, well, I got, there was a, there was a man and I axed him in the face. But before I did that, he told me that William was going after a senator in California. Info dump. Should we do something about it? Yeah. Anyway, Caleb goes out to his daughter. You know how I said I was never going to leave? I'm leaving. Yeah. And he tells his wife, he's like, I have to go on an adventure with Maeve to save the world. And his wife is like, you're already a bad father and you're making it worse. He's like, I, only I can do this. Which again, I, I Maeve they've kind of wrecked. They ruined Maeve in season three by just like making her just get her ass kicked by Dolores the entire season until she joins her. There's really nothing left for Maeve to do other than just like coast on how badass and how cool of a character she was in season one and two, which is what they're doing. It's like Maeve just shows up with a samurai sword and is cool. Caleb has never been justified as being such an important character in a show. When he's like, only I can do this. I'm like, why, Caleb? What makes you so no, special? <laughs> nothing, because his his character was an answer to a problem. But the problem was not that of the story of what Westworld is and can be. The problem was they lost Anthony Hopkins because the, like a cool thing happened to Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins as his character at the end of season one. Something that made a lot of sense. And had to happen to move the story forward. But because you lose Anthony Hopkins, you want to add star power, I suppose. But you already had Evan Rachel Wood acting circles around everyone else on screen except for Anthony Hopkins and Ed Harris in that one scene where Anthony Hopkins and Ed Harris were talking at that table. You remember that? Back Mm -hmm. in the good old days. Mm -hmm. But you could have... Put the show on Evan Rachel Wood's shoulders. Hiring Aaron Paul was just a direct newsflash of, we don't think that's enough. And that's fine if there was always going to be a Caleb character. But it just feels like they got to the end of season one and they were like, fuck, gotta do something big. Take big swings. I'm Jonah Nolan and I take big old dicky swings. Aaron Paul, Caleb, what's he going to do? I'm not sure. Okay. And action. Yeah, they really did just, they're just trying to borrow Aaron Paul's star power from Breaking Bad and put him in this show. And 
And, you know, maybe it would be fine if they didn't also try to insist, like, he's such an important character. He's now he's just as important as, as Maeve or Dolores. And it's like, for what reason? He All he did in season three is, like, stumble around confused after Dolores and, and you know, just get double and triple crossed. And I, I don't know, man. I just hate Caleb. And he's so boring. And He's and, an outlier, James. Right? Yeah. The supercomputer can't predict what he's going to do. And now the supercomputer is gone anyway. And he's still here. Right. <laughs> almost getting killed by one guy. And he's the only, he can only, the only guy who can save this senator in California. Because when Maeve gets there with her deadly samurai powers and the ability to control all machines, she's going to want a dopey confused guy there <laughs> to yeah, help. Yeah, but James, he knows the number of a bunch of red shirts. So... Mm-hmm. He's very useful. Yeah, there's something he's interesting not. going on there. Like maybe he's like a crime lord now or something. He can get those guys on the line. What happened yeah, to his two friends? Cuddy. Where's his Kid two Cuddy's friends? Gone. Oh, you mean Marshawn Lynch and Lena Waithe? Yeah. That's a great question. I would like to see them again. Me too. They were fun. They were fun. I like them better than Caleb. We said this the entire time during the Westworld Season 3 retrospective. Anywho, that's the wrap of the Caleb plotline. Now we get to the storyline that I actually liked and thought was kind of interesting. Oh, you mean Dolores because it's good? Yeah, well, Christina. Right, she's new. Dolores is dead. But yeah, I mean, you you blew what the what the what probably the big theory is on that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure everybody has put that shit together at this point. I mean... What? The it's Dolores every, it's Evan dead? Rachel Wood, so. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, Le- Le- Lisa Joy, in an interview, was like, Dolores is really dead, I swear to God. And Christina is a new character. And human. And played by the same actor, with the same face. Right, <laughs> which has to mean something. They're obviously lying to us to some degree. What degree that is, is currently unclear. Let's just say Evan Rachel Wood had officially left the show at some point. And so they must have thrown a bunch of money at her and been like, no, without you, we don't have a show. Please don't (laughs) come back. Yeah, we desperately need you. Aaron Paul, turns out, not working out like we (laughs) thought it would. So Evan Rachel Wood's new character, Christina, she wakes up in a chic bedroom. She has a normal domestic kind of day with her fun roommate. Who's her roommate? I didn't catch her name. Her name is Maya. Okay. She was in West Side Story, also a ensemble cast member of Hamilton. At the beginning of this scene, she asks Christina whether or not she should wear white shoes or black shoes. And I was like, okay. Oh, Which she's the bullet wear, in, in Hamilton. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, she goes to her... Well, she's like, you need to go on a blind date with this guy I know because you're such a boring, buttoned-up professional person. And, and literally, she's like, and you need to get laid. You need to get your bang on. Yeah, get dicked. <laughs> Maya also says, like, hey, you're, you, you look sad. Have you taken a tab for that? Right. Which I assume they meant tab cola. Mm-hmm. Or a tablet. You need to buy a new iPad. You'll feel better. Dolores, I mean, Christina has a lot of missed calls from, quote, that weirdo. Weird guy. And and just remember that. Remember that there's a weirdo. On her way to work, she passes some excitable young men who are like, oh, this, I can't believe it's your first time here. Oh, let's go do this. It's going to be awesome. I'm having such a good time. Which, of course, reminds us immediately of the newcomers in Westworld. So you think like, well, is this a park or a simulation? Are these guys players and everyone else is an NPC? Is this world world or is it like GTA, but like a VR version? Is this the Matrix? Right. So those guys are NPCs or uh, Christina and her pals are NPCs. Someone is a robot. So Christina Dolores gets to her job and she works at an entertainment company. Her job seems pretty easy. She just dictates the life story of a random NPC, and then an AI generates like an, an NPC from her description. I would be so fucking good at this job. Yeah. Uh, but then again, like I think anybody would be. It's like, okay, there's a baker. He's, he bakes, and he used to love it. He doesn't love it anymore. He finds it tiresome. He's in love with the his baking assistant, but you know she's married, and he's never going to do anything about it. 
And, you know, he goes home and his kids don't respect him. He's got dreams of being a Broadway star and he can sing really well, but nobody knows it. Bam. NPC in the bank. Next one. Also, he has a dark secret. He killed a lot of innocent people during Desert Storm. Oh, Boom. jeez. You ruined that. NPC. Yeah, I made it. I made it better. <laughs> So her boss comes over and he says that her NPCs suck and that she needs to make things more HBO friendly by making them fucking murder each other. And yeah, just like that story that she made of the family man who goes crazy and becomes a stalker and kills everyone. And and, mm. and Christine's like, but I want to make happy stories where people fall in love and do fun things. And I'm like, is this is this an analogy? Did, did, did Jonah Nolan and, and Lisa Joy wish they were making like lifetime movies, but instead HBO's making them kill all their characters. Boobs and blades. The uh, the miniseries. Yeah, her boss is like, stop writing your saccharine story bullshit. Uh, this is Olympiad Entertainment, after all. We do have a standard to uphold. Now go back over there and figure this violent and uh, booby-filled kingdom out. Right. Make, make it so that, that the, the baker NPC you came up with has people chained up in his basement. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Probably the families of the people he killed during Desert Storm. Also, there's a homeless man on the street. He mentions a, quote, looming tower, unquote. Bet that will come up later. And the weird man finally gets a hold of Christina because she decides to pick up the phone one time, which I don't know why she would do that. And he's like, help, your game is ruining my life. Now, during the conversation between her and her boss, her boss was like, remember a few months ago when you wrote that fucking killer story? What happened at the end of that one? And she was like, everybody died? And he's like, yeah, that was lit. Do that again? Perhaps that's the game that this maybe NPC who's calling her is a part of? Who? Uh, I don't know. That boss seems to have a strange philosophy behind this. Because if you were populating an enormous world full of NPCs, wouldn't some of them need to be normal? Like, they couldn't all be weirdos with, with like, tragic futures ahead of them, right? Wouldn't some of them just be regular boring people? Tell that to Far Cry's 1 through 6. Right. <laughs> So she 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 goes home because she forgot about the blind date. So her Maya, her roommate, calls to remind her. But before she leaves home, she hears a, a sound out her window, which is spooky. And that's all that happens in that scene. A lot of spooky window sounds, huh? Yeah. So she meets her roommate for the blind date. Her blind date is a handsome finance bro. And they talk about her job as a game dev. Like I said, she she comes up with the NPCs and what their backstories are in some kind of open world game. And her finance bro date is like, you seem sad. You should take more drugs. That'll cure you of being sad and, and boring. Take tabs for your depression and uh, and make my night better by not being who you are right now. Anyway, let me get back to me. I sold a lot of GameStop. My attendees are to <laughs> right. the moon. And he sounds like a poorly written NPC, which he might be. So she gets upset with him and she goes to leave and then she gets another call from the angry stalker man, which for, for crazy reason she answers and he's like, I knew it. I know you're real. You were in the tower. You're both real. I'm, I, we need to talk. And she, she said, I don't I think you're confused. Goodbye. And then she walks home as she's doing so. Maya calls her and is like, I've abandoned you. Right. I'm getting you now to walk home alone. That says that sounds like a phone call that a poorly written NPC would make, by the right. way, to put you straight into danger. And then as Christina's walking home, she meets Peter, the guy who's been calling her over and over and over again. And he attacks her with a knife. And then he gets tackled by a strong chinned stranger. And then they just disappear. Maybe and she's ash. like, yeah, like what was that? Yeah, he's an NPC named Peter. He's the stalker from the story. She wrote a bad ending for him, and he wants a new ending, please. And she doesn't understand any of this. And yeah, he gets tackled by Mystery Man, and they vanish. The next day, after Christine wakes up, a lot of Christine waking up reminds you of all the times Dolores used to wake up. A lot of people waking up all the time. She goes out to go to work, and she gets another call from NPC Peter. And he asks one last time if she'll help him. And she's like, I can't help you. I don't know what you're talking about. And so he commits suicide by jumping off a building right in front of her. 
Yeah. Which, again, just feels like... Because he asks her directly, like, do I want to do this or did you write this for me? And she was like, I don't know. Then he jumps and she's like, oh, that fucking sucks. Later, she's at home at night and she's trying to pitch a new story about a girl searching for something and she wants to have an happy happy ending and and she can't find it and an instrumental version of video games by lana del rey is playing and i liked that part a lot mm-hmm. ramen jawadi hitting on all cylinders as per usual it's so stupidly good and she gets upset with herself thinking that nobody wants to see that kind of story again like is it jonah and lisa are you are you the ones is this you this is how you feel <laughs> mm-hmm. They really want to spend the rest of their lives making Hallmark movies about two white people who fall in love, which doesn't make sense because one is a school teacher who hates all bakers and one's a baker who hates all school teachers mm-hmm. and has a bunch of families in his basement from the people that he killed in the desert storm. And it's called uh, Teach Me to Baker coming this <laughs> fall. Yeah, um, dessert has two S's. Desert only has one. Right, dessert storm. Yeah, dessert storm. Boom. Dessert baby, storm. We found it. Colon. Teach me to baker. Why? Why are we all wearing red? And as she goes back into her apartment, a shadowy figure is watching her from the darkness. Oh, and it's Teddy. Oh shit! Oh, shit. <gasps> Teddy, who okay, destroyed so- his brain in season two. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. So obviously, not obviously, but. This is probably not that version of Teddy. Or why maybe backups exist, right? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe backup went to a cloud, went to a satellite. Between Sonic movies. Damn. He found time to be in this season. Thank gosh. Yeah, no, when the Teddy revealed happened, I said, what the fuck? Out loud. I was psyched. That was a... Yes. Okay. How dare you? I just had why the thought, were, like, why, well, why the, were you sad? The, not sad. Like, this is all they've got now. <laughs> just like, we're going to bring yes. back Brad again from season one. We're going to bring back Walter from season one. Oh, we're going to bring back Teddy from season two. Right. At least it wasn't Anthony Hopkins. Right. Yeah. I, this, I mean, it reminds me of the end of Game of Thrones, like in the last two seasons where like they just could not stop referencing season one of Game of Thrones. Like, remember it was good? Remember when it was good? We're going to repeat that line from when the show was good. Remember that? They're remembering the good times. But listen, James, they're going to still do the show, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to still talk about the show. And yeah, it's maybe all they have. But when they have one bullet in the chamber, they might as well shoot the goddamn thing. Right. This is the last season, yes? Oh, I don't. We should know that. You should Google it right now. <laughs> I, I believe it is. I believe it is. Uh, it is not officially the last season. <laughs> so, no. It could Thanks, be. Thanks, Google. It's, it maybe is. But probably not. I just, I'm so looking forward to when they bring back Rebus and uh, uh, Wyatt and Sideburns Trevor. That's right. All the characters from season one we haven't seen in a long time. When is Clarence going to come back, right? Sylvester. The the nameless fortune teller from season one. Let's have her come back. She just casted as fortune teller. Maybe Lee make his death worthless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I what I can't wait is when they introduce when it'll be such a dramatic reveal when the second Clementine comes in and it's like oh shit you're the the host that that replaced Clementine for one episode oh it's it's her Angela Safarian is absolutely going to be in this fourth season. No, she we exploded. Any- oh yeah, but she'll be back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see any Bernie, which is a bummer. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't it canon I mean, that, that Bernie's like in the Matrix for a hundred years or something? Yeah, and, and we didn't get any Charlotte yeah. Hale. Uh, that we'll obviously get some some Halebot as well. So yeah, there are a few theories I want to run by you. Just your thoughts. And mm-hmm. when I do this, what I'd like you to do is pretend you like the show. Oh, I can, <laughs> I can do that. Oh, cool. So, do you think Christina is writing narratives for Future World? Do you think they're in? future world yeah i think that they are in gta 12 and like you know why not just have one of the ais as a job her her job is to come up with other backstories for other ais right just outsource that job to an ai you don't have to pay anybody reddit has deemed her delobolum (laughs) delobolum that's good (laughs) yeah i think that they're in the matrix they're in a game that's why they played video games and and her job is they 
for some reason, I have no idea why it's Evan Rachel Wood and if that's meaningful, if they've put a copy of Dolores's brain in the game. Like, again, like, why? Is it just a cost-saving measure? It's like, well, we could come up with a brand new robot brain, but we have this one lying around. I, it was kind of evil, but whatever. I mean, it's it's here. We save money. We'll Maybe just put it in the game. past timeline and Christina was the original writer of Dolores for Westworld, and she based it off of her. Mm-hmm. Like, it does sort of feel like Christina's stories are getting to a Dolores and her father, Peter Abernathy, place. But with not enough death yet, but that will be inserted. It, it It's possible she just is like, okay, uh, record, and then says the first season, and we're like, holy shit. Or maybe we're not. Right, it was all a dream. Do you think Teddy Flood was sent by Bernie, maybe, to, I don't know, Mm. protect Christina? I I, I don't know what time. Do you think there are different timelines, or do you think this is all at the same time? Or is it all a simulation? Because, like, maybe the real Caleb is dead, and that's what Maeve is remembering, and they're all in a simulation, right? No. Well, here's something interesting about Teddy. Everyone else, uh, if you check the cast list for season four, Evan Rachel Wood as Christina, Tanny Newton as Maeve, Ed Harris as William, the Man in Black, James Marston, no as, does not say as Teddy Flood. It's a secret. James Marston, this is a secret. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad Westworld's back. It's something to talk about. It seems like we're getting more season three kind of shit, though, which is not my kind of shit. No, Uh, I would say the best season three was was like the episode Maeve was in a park. Yes. Right? Like, park times are the best times. If they want to capture the fan base's attention, they need to go back to some sort of park. And fine, it can be a simulation as well. But do not drag us along for an entire season. Right, because you say that Maeve was in a park, but no, Maeve was in a simulation of a park. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's that, And again, that's fine. But don't have it be a goddamn secret. Like, we can have theories, but what is happening specifically to main characters? At least, like... Have it be that the characters don't know, but the audience does. And they also, they kind of dropped that shit last season, too. Like, there was no mystery to be unraveled in season three. No, there wasn't. But I, I'm i fine with no mystery having to be unraveled. What I don't want is an entire season of red herrings that don't pay off. Mm-hmm. Just tell me a story about yeah. these goddamn characters. And please, kill off Caleb soon. Yeah. <laughs> That is not ever, that's not fucking happening. I mean, they killed off Anthony Hopkins at the end of season one, so it's possible, but it would only be in a sacrificial scenario, which I'm also fine with. We should say something about the directing of this season. Richard J. Lewis came back to direct this, and he's directed an episode every single season. Other than him, there is one director returning from an episode of season three, Paul Cameron, who directed the mother of exiles from season three i'm trying to remember if that was a good episode or not where's lisa joy if it wasn't the episode genre then it probably was not a good episode i want lisa joy please so yeah this is uh, other than richard j lewis and paul cameron and again paul cameron has only directed season three episode uh nobody is coming back from seasons one or two to direct any of these episodes which is not good news Right? Like, yeah. Frederick EO Toy is not coming back to direct anything. Right. John, John Jonah Nolan is not directing any of the episodes. Lisa Joy is not directing any of the episodes. They probably didn't have time because of their Amazon series. So they wrote the episode and handed the scripts in. I'm sure they were on set as executive producers, but not directing is a real bummer. Yeah. It kind of seems like nobody cares <laughs> about this show anymore. None of the people, at least, who were show running it at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I think HBO is treating it like they sh- sort of feel like they should be treating it right now, which is a eight-week lead-in, or six or seven-week. How many episodes is in season four? Well, I'm saying this long, drawn-out sentence. You Google There's going to be eight episodes know. like there were in season three, shorter than nice. seasons one and two. Didn't even have to googs it. It's an eight-week lead-in to House of the Dragon, right? Mm-hmm. The... Westworld season four finale happens the same night of the series premiere 
of House of the Dragon. It's its lead-in. Or it might be the other way around. Either way, that is the flagship of HBO right now, are these two shows. But they're really hoping House of the Dragon reaches 20 million people watching it every week, just like Game of Thrones eventually did. And, you know, I saw that graphic recently of the six shows that are being thought to be made oh, God. Uh, from Game of Thrones stuff. The Snow one specifically. I was like, how, what would it even fucking be? <laughs> the point is, though, I'm interested in House of the Dragon. Me too. I'm looking forward to the night where it's Westworld season four finale into House of the Dragon. That's going to be a good night of television. Right. At that point, and maybe Caleb even dies that night. That'd be sick. Oh, amazing. And and also, there's, you know, maybe there'll be going to be a Dunkin' Egg show. That could be good. The other shows oh, they're pitching are the epitome of who asked for this. They're going to make a movie <laughs> out of uh, Nymeria? Who, who yeah. cares? <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, even if you wanted to make a, an interesting story about it, like, a, a you know, a, a female leader, there are so many more interesting ones you could do in the realm of Game of Thrones than Nymeria. Like, good God. That's going to be, I mean, it's never going to get made. There's no reason in talking. They're never going to make the Nymeria show, but insane that they're even talking about it. You brought it up. <laughs> right. They uh, calling it right now. There is the 1000 ships Nymeria show not going to happen. Snow will probably happen though. Probably will. I mean, if he wants to do it, it'll probably happen. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think I have reasonable expectations for this season of Westworld, which is, I bet every time Ed Harris is on screen, I'll enjoy myself. I don't know about Tessa Thompson yet. I don't know about Jeffrey Wright yet because we didn't get to see them in the first episode. So I don't know their vibes as of yet. I'm interested in the Christina slash Dolores storyline. I want to know what's going on there. I'm fine with Teddy Flood being back. That's a nice stick in the tire. See how it goes. I am wary of the fact that Every time Maeve or Caleb are on screen, I'm going to want to be skipping through it because I'm just not very interested in their storyline. And by the way, we are the minority on that, at least in the Westworld Reddit space. Because I hate Caleb. I like Maeve. I just feel like they're wasting Maeve by giving her like basically nothing to do. She's either killing dudes and standing dramatically or or she's getting her ass kicked by Dolores, which I guess that's not going to happen anymore. But now she's just killing dudes and standing dramatically. I wonder if by the end of the fourth season we'll understand that post credit scene of the man in black getting the fidelity test by his robot daughter. You remember that one? Do you remember when that happened? Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. That'd be pretty sweet. They better at, at some point pay off the like post-apocalypse shit they've been teasing again and again at the end of seasons. I'm most likely not going to ever watch a new episode of Westworld on Sunday night. I will watch it on HBO Max the next day on a Monday, probably, uh, just on a laptop. And when House of the Dragon comes out, I will be watching it live. Yeah. Because I am, like, first season of Westworld, I was watching that shit live. It is just not that way anymore. And I don't know what swings they have to take to make the uninteresting storylines interesting. But I think Lisa Joy, that's the part that gets me the most. I think Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan have it in them to, in my mind, save this show. Yeah. I don't know how, obviously, but it's good that I don't, but I'm not writing the show. I just think there is a world where we get to the end of season four and been like, holy shit, they did it. Right. They redeemed season three and four somehow. I think it's a small percentage chance, but it's obviously one I'm rooting for. If I'm going to be watching something for eight, nine hours, I want it to be worth my time. For sure. And listen, the HBO boys slash the old Westworld podcast, we will never abandon this show. It is the foundation of a six to seven year podcast. We're here till the very end. And all I want is a season that is just not a growing tree of cynicism. (laughs) And so far, so far. I mean, the Christina thing was good. The William thing was good. Yeah, Maeve and Caleb, like, they're going to go save the senator in California, whatever. The best thing that can happen is that a Bernie and Charlotte Hale storyline can both be added, and the Caleb and Maeve storyline will take a back seat in the entire season. The problem is, I don't think that's going to happen. 
I mean, if they can find a way to redeem Caleb, that would be great. That's uh, the crazy part. Yeah. That's what needs to happen to save the show for me. Caleb, by the end of the season, has to like sacrifice himself, and I need to feel something about no, it. No, I don't care what if are you he sacrifices. Just justify Caleb. Give us a reason why it's this guy and not any other dude off the street. Right. Is he... He's the son of... No, he doesn't have a, to be Palpatine's grandson. A, oh my God, he's the baker. <laughs> right, he's the he's been the baker the whole time. Oh, if you liked this show and yeah. w- didn't leave <laughs> when we were being naysayers the whole time, number one, thanks, that's nice of you. I like you very much. But number two, join our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/hboboiz for one or more dollar a month. You get a bunch of extra bonus content, and part of that is me saying your name at the end of our shows. Our patrons are Connor O'Dowd, Jamie Lochner, James Watch My Dong, Chris Wood, Brent Ginn, Dale Levin Westworld, Craig, Major Woody, and Carol Andreas. Thank you very much for the money. Please join us on this journey to watch Westworld Season 4 and not be sad about it. Hopefully. Coming up next week, we're going to have uh, Episode 2 of Season 4, probably a little bit faster. Ryan was on vacation. And then at some point, Chad and I have plans to talk about uh, Miss Marvel, which is a bad show that I kind of like. Oh, yeah. It's very popular right now. Also, the HBO boys are in the middle of a D&D actual play campaign entitled Home. Uh, I think three episodes are out now, and it's going to end up being bi-monthly. Very proud of how it's turned out so far. Uh, I'm DMing. James, Chad, and Adam, the boys, are playing. So also go check that out, and uh, you can catch up and and follow us as the season goes. So we'll probably be recording that uh, next week or the week after. July 4th is happening. And because independence is so important to me, my family, and America, uh, it might get in the way. But we'll get back on a regular schedule as soon as humanly possible. I'm James. Oh, man, I miss this. I miss this. When I said the Howdy Dream Cowboys thing at the beginning, I was like, <laughs> Sweet. And I'm Ryan. And this, this was the, the Westworld Podcast. <laughs> oh, boys. Podcast. Yeah, let's just change it back, maybe. Let's change it back for this this month, baby. For the next eight weeks. <laughs> no. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.